Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If people know anything about Lent these days, it might be the theme of repentance. You might be able to have a conversation around that. Maybe. Everything gives the impression, right, with the darker pyramids, with no hallelujahs or the gloria, and certainly the words sung in the hymn kind of are toned to a different minor keys a lot of times and slower, and it just directs us to the need for repentance. However, repentance is not the only theme in Lent. It might even overshadow another more important emphasis from ancient of days, really. From the earliest times, baptism played a large part of this season. While infants were baptized and then taught, adults were to be taught and then baptized. And these baptismal candidates, as they were called, also catechumens, sounds like confirmation, had a special place during the time of Lent. They were to be examined during that 40 days and finally prepared for their baptism, guess when? On Easter Eve, kind of like Christmas Eve, right? This happened at what was called the Easter Vigil Service. I hope to do this with you someday. I don't know this year but I really hope I can do it sometime with you in the future. But it's a unique thing about that service that stands out beyond the baptism emphasis is how most of the readings all come from the Old Testament. And so the whole point of Easter Vigil is the growing promise that has been going throughout the history as God sees it of his goodness. God's faithfulness for a sinful world was finally then to rest on Jesus. You see how it flows from Easter Eve right to Easter morning? This brings us to our gospel text, though, because we're left wondering over Nicodemus. I mean, here's a smart guy. He knows God's word, the Old Testament, through and through, and a respected leader of the Jews. Our information age and production-orientated society will struggle over the gospel in the same way. Let me tell you, it was never about some level of understanding or good work to produce. But what Jesus says always makes the difference. Against adversities of life, God's grace alone grants any the gift to believe in Christ for our salvation. And so Nicodemus, when he came, he came on his own terms. But those terms left him perplexed about Jesus. This man had not built up any prideful walls, unlike most of the Pharisees. The more he learned pushed him to a point that finally these miracles and what Jesus is saying, it pushed him finally to have to go right to the horse's mouth, to the source of it all. I mean, he was smart that way. Coming at night, of course, was a calculated tactic, right? There's that smart thinking 
to keep his reputation out of the public eye because who knows where this is going to go. His greeting include sharing honestly where his thinking had led him. Rabbi, we know, so it's not just him, but we've been discussing this stuff. We know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs or the miracles that you do unless God is with them. And yet the answer Jesus gave turned Nicodemus to what any person of learning does, ask questions. He tried to interpret what he heard by what he already knew to be the truth. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus gave the same answer again in a different way about water and the spirit, but it was still hard to hear. The last question by Nicodemus showed how his mind was not going to take the gospel captive. It left him to ask, how can these things be? He wanted to understand. Let's all be clear. But Jesus told him the truth. Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Because, I mean, God rooted the gospel throughout the history of Israel. But that all got darkened and turned upside down. Nicodemus, of course, hearing that, he could have left angry, could have been frustrated. You don't make any sense. You're a fool. But he didn't. Instead, he listened. Listening is hard enough to find in our polarized society today, but hearing the gospel, impossible. Impossible because God's grace alone was, if not God's grace was not working to bring that good news to all people. Our Lutheran fathers describe our helpless situation this way. The ancient definition of original sin, we just sing about that in our hymn. They say is that the original sin is that it's a lack of righteousness. This definition not only denies that mankind is capable of obedience in his body, which means the right behavior, okay? But they go on to say, but it also denies that mankind is capable of knowing God, placing confidence in God, fearing and loving God, and certainly also the ability to produce such things. Simply put, since thinking is part of our humanity, it's also under a cloud of darkness by nature that denies true faith in God and his gospel. Nicodemus had the scripture, but it was with reliance on a life to the law, apart from God's reasoning put forward long ago in his son. Nicodemus had to listen, and it goes for us. All our ways of knowing today, and there's so much 
I mean, just growing up in my age, I'm old to Shiloh. But I mean, for some of you, we've grown in so much ability to know stuff today, it's barely even able to be kept together, let alone even understood. But all that cannot produce a way out of captivity to sin, death, and the devil. God must be the actor, and we, the receivers of his grace at work, alone by the word. That's it. When Jesus speaks, you have to put it this way in your mind, Nicodemus is hearing life as God wills it by the gospel. That's how God thinks, through his son. To consider it, to the considerate thinkers out here, our Lord says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can certainly, as they say, talk someone to death, and pastors can do it with the best of them. But the only God is the author of life. And that includes saving faith in the gospel. One word from the Lord made the world. Let there be light and creation already started to take shape. And God's word does this spiritually as well with the gospel. To be born again is not a self-motivated task. No more than it was for me or any one of you here to be born into the world. You did not choose it. You did not will it. But you're here. I'm glad you are. I'm glad I'm here with you too. Born again, frankly, from the Greek, really can be translated born from above, which is emphasizing something that God does. Or you can do it in a better way, translate it generated by God. This is not some arduous work on any person but the grace God wills to give of saving life to anyone as come from Christ and his word. So Peter, much later now, in his first epistle, his first letter, gives that kind of a great boast before the whole church. He says, You who have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Peter knew a little bit about what birth was about because he denied Jesus and all that, but Jesus brought him back to life. Jesus is always giving life. To the raised questions out there, Jesus also says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Emphasis is still on the gift of saving faith, but Jesus gives a concrete answer about the power of God's word at work, guess where? In baptism. That's why the chief hymn recommended is the one you just sang today. Water in the spirit would have turned Nicodemus like that, because he's a thinker. And he would have thought of John the baptizer and his baptizing and also the word being preached by John that called all to repentance. Water is not doing the saving. God is. And as a vehicle, as a means of grace, as we say as Lutherans, the promise made visible looks to how the word is at work. 
So the catechism teaches it this way. For without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism. That is a life-giving water, rich in grace and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit. Since God does make dead sinners alive by his grace, children can be baptized and taught. Just as adults be taught, and why wouldn't they be baptized? To any left listening, Jesus speaks good news. That even the smart can know this simple word. So here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Father sent his Son means leaving none out of the picture for Jesus speaks to save. To every kind of people, every kind of condition, every kind of place. His forgiveness remains true in every way. His suffering sufficient to comfort any because none outside his cross. His death, a promise of life to all. The March Lutheran Witness just came out, so I had to find a way to work it in the sermon. But the Lutheran Witness this month of March is about how the younger generation, and I guess I'm gonna throw myself in there because they quoted the, the baby boomers, the millennials, and then the Generation Z. And I'm, I don't know where I fit in. So I'm going to go with the younger ones for now. But it said they're leaving the church to be nothing particular. Not atheist, not agnostic, but just kind of, they're spiritual but not religious. They're kind of, they like God, but they just don't like how it goes on in the church, per se. It's a thinking that kind of goes this way. It kind of is right in one of the articles there. It puts it this way. This is the thinking. If I have chosen my church based on how it helps me fulfill my life's goal, then why would I not abandon it when it no longer assists me in those goals? And there's another article in there that says that's why the younger generation looks to government as if it's God. Because the church is struggling to keep members, keep money, keep programs. The government's just going to keep giving, right? Wrong. A smart Pharisee might bring a faithful witness about the truth needed again today. Nicodemus came to Jesus, you know, only one other time. You'll hear it on Good Friday. He was there to help take Jesus' body down from the cross. It was no longer in, at night, but right in the bread of day, that man would be there. Smartness was not going to be in himself, 
an institution of men or to feel good about life, but to yield to the simple word of truth. A kind of truth that, frankly, he still did not understand. But he was there. And he could still recall a little bit, I think, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There is no thinking ourselves out of the present situation and cross upon the church. But unlike Nicodemus, we know the apostolic witness. We know there's an Easter. We know what happens three days later. Jesus rose as the Lord of life. You have to wonder what that meant for a man like Nicodemus. You have to wonder what he thought. What he also maybe had suffered. Did he get kicked out of the Sanhedrin? Was he shamed and maybe even martyred? I don't know. But he was there at the cross, confident that Jesus said was not only coming true, but he was the truth. To be born again by the gospel fits not around my life goals, but it is for life everlasting and every gain that this life cannot give. Against adversities of life, God's grace alone grants any, any, the gift to believe in Christ for our salvation. Amen. To the only wise God, as St. Paul says, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.